We're continuing our series. I entitled the series Jesus. Really, it's just we're we're going through Hebrews, but Hebrews is about Jesus, and everything points to the to Jesus in Hebrews. And uh, as uh, we go through it, this is most likely, as I've said, most likely Apostle Paul wrote this scripture, uh, wrote this uh, uh, epistle of, of Hebrews. And it was written to Jews, it was written to religious people, to Christian Jewish people. And so it is so good for us today, I'm glad that we have it. But we're in Hebrews chapter 11, and this morning the theme in this is faith. You can't have Jesus in your life if you don't have faith. And so let's start in chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Can we go on to that next slide there? Faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. For by it, the men of old obtained a good report. So when we talk about faith, when we talk about faith, we have to understand that faith, we have faith all the time. We're, there's constantly, we're, we have faith. You, you can be an atheist and still have faith. It's the question is, what do you have faith in? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you, you know, when you sat down in your chair a minute ago, you had faith that that thing was going to hold you up. Did you realize that? You had faith that your rear end wasn't going to go all the way through it and that we didn't put a bad chair in front of you. When you got in the car this morning, you had faith that when you turn, when you put the key in and you turned it, that it would come on. And, you, and, and so we have faith. Now, some of these things that some of these things are evident. We see them quickly. We see these things happen quickly. Other things we don't see quickly, but we still have faith. You know, I, I, we went through a series a while back called "I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist," because it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist to believe that you came from nothing and everything. It come into existence out of nothing. So we have to have faith no matter who we are. Now, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. Today we know because of science, we know that the things that we see are made out of things that are invisible. Now that seems to make no sense to us because we look at, again, these chairs and we say they're blue. But if you go down and you break it down and break it down and break it down, these chairs are just molecules. They're just things that you can't see. We don't see those things. But together, they form, they form something. We, we would say this right here is solid, right? This is a piece of metal. We would say this, this is solid. But the more you look into it, the more porous you would see that this metal is. As a matter of fact, something can go through this metal. Things can go through this metal. We see these things, and that goes back to faith. When we say we have, when he says we have faith to understand the universe is framed by the word of God, and that these things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. You know, you have faith that when you walk to this wall over here, that you're not, you you're going to end up turning and going that way. You're not going to continue to walk through the wall because you don't want to look stupid. But did you know that that you're that you're not solid? The wall's not solid. That's what we perceive it to be. What it is, it's a bunch of, bunch of molecules made up. If that wall was solid, no air would go through. We could, we could just put that wall up, and it would never get cold, right? It would never get cold in here or hot. It would always stay the same temperature. But things flow through it. But we have faith in these things by the Word of God. And I think it's really interesting that the Word of God really tells us these things. 
When we look and we say, why can we even have faith in God? Why can we believe the Bible? Well, the, the Bible actually tells us things about this. You know, we have scientists that use the Bible to help them understand. If you go back, a vast majority of the science that we have today was because we had the Bible, and the Bible helped these scientists understand things. And we don't hear about that in the, in the public school system. We don't hear about that in the news anymore because we want to take God out of all of it. But the Bible is very scientific, and, and our science backs up, the, uh, backs up what the Bible says. The more we learn, the more we realize that what God has put in here. Notice he said that the universe was framed by the word of God, by the spoken word of God. See, the scriptures themselves are the spoken word. The Bible says that the scriptures, that we should use them for correction, for rebuke. We should use them for a learning and understanding. We should use it for all this. Why? Because it is God's word, and it is powerful. You remember when Jesus was combating Satan, when he had been on a fast and Satan was, was tempting him, and what did he do? He used the scripture to combat Satan. Now, Jesus could have said anything he wanted to because Jesus is God, but he used Scripture. He used Old Testament Scripture because it is powerful. When Satan said, hey, you could turn this, uh, you could turn this rock into bread, he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. These things, okay, these things are written in Scripture. They're there in Scripture for us, and we can use those. You say, well, how do I, how do I combat? How do I go against the thing, the things that are inside of me? The things that people say to me, how do I go against that? I don't know what to say. I, I don't even know what to think. The Bible says, hide the word of God in your heart that you will not sin against him. And so what I say to you is when you struggle, you take the word of God and you can speak the word of God and the word of God is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword. It will cut apart and it will break apart anything that comes against you. It is that strong. It is that powerful. So if you're going through something I encourage you, speak the word of God in boldness, and if you are saved, meaning that you have asked Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to rescue you and to change your life and you're living for him, then this word is yours. The Bible says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. When we come to Christ, when we come and we accept what he's done for us, we are now pretty much, we could put it this way, you're a brother or a sister to, the, to Christ, right? Because God is now our heavenly father. We learned this morning in our group, in our discipleship group, that before we come to Christ, what are we? we the devil is our father. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus was even talking to the religious people of the day, and he said, you, you are, your father is the devil, because if your father was God, you would understand that I came from God and that I'm here to glorify God. That's what Jesus said. And, and when, we, when, we talk, when we talk about the things that we go through in our life and we struggle in our life, and how do we have faith? Well, sometimes we don't need to have faith. Some, when I say faith, we don't have to just believe in something out there, we could take the word of God, whether it's on a tablet, whether it's in in your in your uh, you know written uh, in a typed out book, you know in a Bible, what we call the, call the Bible, what, whether it's on our phone, whatever way it is, we could take that and say, you know what, I'm just going to have faith in what God said because I know He created the universe, I know He saved me, I know He's given me freedom. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Who Jesus sets free is free indeed. No longer are we under the curse that we once were. We talked about this morning too, about the hope that we have in Jesus. And I feel bad for those people who don't have hope. 
Those people who say, oh, well, you know, I believe in reincarnation. I believe that I'm just going to die and just turn into dust. No, I don't. I, I hate that because there's no hope in that. But we have hope that one day, whether we die or Jesus returns, that one day we will be with him in eternity. And when you look around you and you see other people who know Jesus and and love Jesus, you can say, hey, one day we're going to be in the same place together. I think that is just amazing. It's awesome. Keep on going to verse 4 there. He says he's going to get into talking about people in the Old Testament who had faith. You got to understand that in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Bible. Okay? They didn't have the Bible like we have today. They didn't have everything. You know, uh, they, they had five books uh, at one point that Moses had, had uh, authored. They had the five. They had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had those five. And so there was a lot of stuff that they didn't understand. And, and as time went on, they learned more. But he starts out, the, the writer here starts out with the faith of Abel. If you remember Abel, you remember Cain, Cain and Abel. Cain was this uh, brother of Abel. He, they were the first two sons that we have mentioned in the scriptures. And Cain got mad because what? What happened? Cain had taken his offering to the Lord, and it was rejected by God, but Abel took his offering to the Lord, and it was not rejected by God. Let me, let me help you understand something here. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, we were then at that time put under the curse of sin. You are born a sinner. You are born into sin. So Abel and Cain were both born into sin, okay? The, they didn't have any. They didn't do anything to be sinners other than be born, because we had been placed under a curse because of what Adam and Eve had done in the Garden of Eden. And so Cain gave this sacrifice, and God saw that Abel's was more excellent. It says, and through this he was approved as righteousness with God, testifying concerning his gifts. And he still speaks through his faith, though he is dead. So people, say, he, he's saying he still, his faith is still loud. It is still out there even though he's dead because of what he did. Now, let, let me help you understand something. We live in a supernatural world, and we may not understand that, but the Bible says that, that we battle not against flesh and blood. When we are having problems in our life, we live in a supernatural world. Yes, angels are real. Demons are real. The Holy Spirit is real. We live in a supernatural world. We don't see it. We can't see it unless God opens our eyes, and we see in Scripture that he has done that before, that he opened the eyes so that people could see what was going on around them, and we need to understand that, that we live in a supernatural world. And so when, we, when uh, Cain, when he offered this sacrifice, you may ask the question, well, how do we know? How did Cain know that his sacrifice was not accepted? Well, many times in the Scriptures, this is the supernatural world we live in. Many times in the scriptures, multiple times in the scriptures, the scripture talks about how God, God would come and consume the sacrifice, that, that, that either lightning or fire would fall from heaven and he would consume the sacrifice. So it is really believed that the reason Cain knew that his sacrifice was not being received is it didn't get consumed by fire from heaven, but Abel's was, Okay. I don't know if you ever ever have studied up on that, but that's a really, really interesting thing. And I look at us today. 
I look at our faith today and I say, our faith is so weak. Our faith, we don't believe for nothing anymore. It's so hard for us to believe in anything because, oh, it just won't happen. And I tell you, if you're listening, and I'm a news junkie, I pay attention to the news. You need to know something, just call me. I probably know what's going on, okay? Uh, I mean, all day long when I'm in my truck, I'm listening, and, and I listen to every, you know, Christian, the, the, the Christian side of the news. I listen to the secular side of the news. I'm trying to make sure I know what's going on. I just love it. But Many times we listen to the news, and instead of it encouraging us, it gets us down and out, and we're like, why is this happening, or what, what's going on here? And so we have a hard time having faith that God said that he will make it right, that in the end, it will be right. Even if it's wrong right now, it'll be right. And sadly enough, it's going to get worse, but we can continue to live for him and trust in him. Verses 5 through 6, by faith Enoch was taken to heaven. Now, Enoch is a person that says, the Bible says he just, he was just with God. It does not say he, he died. He, he was just with God. He was taken to heaven so that he could not see death, would not see death. He was not found because God took him away. Nobody could find his body. He's gone. You know, for before he was taken, he had this commendation that he pleased God. God was pleased with Enoch and he just was no more. The Bible says that Enoch was no more. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to our God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, a lot of people uh, would, would say, well, if I read the Bible and I come to church, then I please God. No, no. You have to have faith to please God. You can't even receive salvation without faith. The Bible says, and it says here in a minute, that Abraham, that it was accounted to him for righteousness because of his faith. Long before Jesus ever died, Abraham already was accounted as righteousness because he had faith. He had faith in what God said he was going to do. He had faith in in, in the things that he was told. And we're going to talk about Abraham in just a moment. Verse 7 says, by faith, no. Everybody remembers Noah. He built an ark. Noah built this ark, and then the rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, the floods came up. Rains came down, and the floods came up. No, that was a different song. Sorry. I got confused there. No, it rained for 40 days, and it rained for 40 nights, and then they were on the water for a long time. You know, this cruise just continued to go on and on. I'm sure it stunk, and it didn't smell good, but, you know, I'm sure that they didn't want anything after that. It was like, just get me on the ground, you know. But Noah, being divinely warned, warned about things not yet seen, what does that mean? Nobody had ever seen it rain at that point. Do you realize that? Nobody had ever seen rain. And so being divinely warned about things not seen, moved with godly fear and pre- prepared an ark to save his family. Now, Noah didn't prepare an ark on the side of the ocean. He just built the thing. I mean, it would be like us building this massive ark and sticking it right in the middle of Maumel, and everybody goes, well, how are you going to get it down to the ocean? You got this big old ark. Where, how are you going to get it down there? And Noah's like, oh, don't worry about it. The Lord said it's going to rain, and I need to build this thing, so I built it. And it took him a long time to build it. Him and his, and his sons took a while to build this ark, but he prepared an ark to save his family by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. His righteousness came by faith because he had faith when the Lord came to him and he says, I want you to build an ark. I want you to build this wide, this big. I want you to do it out of, out of gopher wood. I want you, this is what I want you to do. And by faith, he did it. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of us by faith would do something like that today? If the Lord came to you and spoke to you and said, I need you to do this right here. And see, the thing is, is he asks us many times to do things even smaller. And we're like, oh, God, I can't do that. Hmm, oh, I can't do that, God. I need you to, I need you to switch jobs. Oh, God, but my, my, my job's good. I'm, I'm really good right here. I don't need to switch no jobs. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Lord. I need you to go here. I need you to go there. I need you to talk to this person. And we struggle even in our faith today. But, but Noah had this faith. He had never seen it rain. He's building this big old boat in, in the middle of the, you know, where there's no water. He's just building this boat. But he knows that God is, is going to do it. This boat was so massive and the door was so big, the Bible says that the Lord shut the door. The Lord, shut, the Lord shut the door up. And the Bible says that all these animals came two by two, male and female. They were coming into the ark. He didn't do nothing. He didn't have any. He didn't go out and call them. But the ones that had to come, that the Lord wanted to come, came into this ark. And, and through that, though, through that ark, you realize that only Noah and his family were saved. The rest of the world were, was condemned because they didn't have faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is important that we have faith. Verses 8 through 12, we're going to talk about Abraham a little bit here. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would, have, would later receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Here is Abraham. He has faith. God has come to him. God has called him. He don't have a Bible. He don't have a preacher or a friend who's a Christian to talk to him. Christians were not even around at that time. And the Lord spoke to him. He says, I want you to leave your father's country, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to send you. And what did Abraham do? Okay. Sure, God. You want me to do that? I'll do it. He says, by faith he dwelt in the promised land, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, who builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah. Remember, Sarah was like really old. You know, I'm not being rude here. That's just the facts. She was really old, and he was really old. But he says by faith that she also received the ability to get pregnant at an old age, she was still able to get pregnant, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she says, yeah, he promised it. Okay, so I believe it. Now, we know that Sarah made some mistakes along the way. We make some mistakes. Sometimes we have faith in what the Lord has told us, but we make a few mistakes. You know what? That's okay. Sarah said, you know what, this is, this is, I don't know, man, you know, I don't know. I know that, I know that we're, you know, Abraham, you're supposed to, you know, have a bunch of, bunch of uh, descendants that are going to be as big as the sand and the seashore and all this kind of stuff. And you look up at the stars in the sky and it's going to be more than that. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, let me give you, let me give you my servant and she can have a child. Well, that's caused a lot of problems throughout history because of that. So we want to be careful to listen and when we have that faith, we want to be careful to do it. But you want to know something? If you've messed up and you made a mistake, God can still use you as long as you have faith. God still used Sarah even though she made a mistake. And God had Isaac born to, 
to Isaac was born to Abraham, and Isaac then had Jacob, and Jacob had Joseph, and and you know the the twelve tribes of Israel because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So these things still happen. So I, I just want to encourage you this morning. If you've made a mistake, if if your faith has wavered a little bit, and you made a mistake, it's okay. Stop beating yourself up over it. No reason to beat yourself up over it. Let me tell you something. The devil needs somebody to beat up. You don't need to beat yourself up. Let the devil work on you. And then you can say, hey, you know what, devil? You don't have any place anyway. Because Jesus died on the cross for all of this. He took all of this on me. So therefore, I am more than a conqueror through him who who died for me. The end. Now, now you don't have to beat yourself up anymore. I'm giving you permission, okay? Do not... Because no matter what you've done, God, with your faith in God, he will make it happen. Whatever he wants, he will make it happen because that's the kind of God he is. Then he says, therefore, from one man who was, a, was as good as dead, Abraham was as good as dead, he was old, sprang so many, a multitude as the stars of the skies and innumerable as the sand of the seashore. That was the descendants of Abraham. Out of an old man and an old woman who had no children, all these descendants followed as was told him. See, when the Lord tells us something, we can have faith that it is true. We can have faith that is accurate. So when the Lord said, when Jesus came and he said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, we can, we can take it to the bank, as, a, as the term goes. We can take it to the bank. Why? Because what he says is true. The Lord will not lie. The Lord cannot lie. There's no evil in God. He will make sure that he does exactly what he says he's going to do. So maybe the Lord's spoken to you individually. Maybe you've heard the voice of the Lord speak to you or in your spirit, and he said, this is what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I want to say. Stand on it. So, well, but that was 20 years ago, and it still hasn't happened. Well, if you know that God was speaking that to you, continue to stand. And when you can't stand any longer, continue to stand. Have faith in God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, what he said he's going to do. Verses 13 through 16, these all died. Talking about these, these people we just were talking about. In faith, not having received the promise. They had not even got to the promised land. Remember, Abraham was promised something. And, and Isaac was carrying that promise on. And Jacob was promised. Did you know none of them get into the promised land? Even his kids, even Jacob's kids didn't get into the promised land. It was years and years later. I mean, the, the, the Israelites end up going through captivity with the Egyptians uh, for for a, a years, and then who showed up? Moses. Moses showed up, and Moses led him out of the promised land. Let my people go. I mean, everybody's seen the cartoon movie, right? Everybody should know that story. All right, it's but it's real. It's in the it's in the Bible. It's real. They all died before they received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Do you understand that we have a promise? that Jesus is going to return, and that this home is not our home forevermore, okay? He's got a home, and we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland, and certainly if they had been thinking of the century out of 
uh, excuse me, then thinking of the country out of which they came, they might have had the opportunity to return. But they desired a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know what? When you come to Christ, when you come to faith in Christ, you no longer, this is not your home. You're just passing through. And you don't need to look back and say, oh, you know what I used to have is good. You need to look forward and say, no, what I'm going to have is, is so much better. You know, we always, in America, we live for the moment. We are instant, right? I mean, good night. You go to Amazon right now and you buy it with one click. You don't even have to put your card information in. You say, oh, I want it. Click. Oh, there it's coming. It's going to be here tomorrow. Because now we've got, what, Prime One Day Delivery. I mean, we can have it instantly. Or maybe... Uh, you can order something down at Walmart, and you just walk in and pick it up. Or, oh, how do you like this, ladies? Order your groceries online, pull up at Kroger, and they bring it out to your car for you. We love that, don't we? We're an instant society. When we turn on the television, we got it. You know, guys, we got our clicker, right? We can't sit still. Because if we're not instantly satisfied with what we see on television, we click to the next station, right? Well, that didn't look good. That didn't look good. 75 stations later. Oh, that one didn't look good. 150 stations later. All of a sudden, we get back to the first one and go, no, I didn't like that one. Let's go to the next one. We'll spend an hour clicking through a television station trying to find, find something. You know what I'm saying? We are instant gratification. We, we have McDonald's. We have Chick-fil-A. We have, you know, name them all off. I mean, we've got all these places. And we go, well, we could go home and fix it someday, or we can go down here, and they'll just put it out in front of us in two minutes. Instant. We love that instant gratification. But what I want to say that, that, that instead of looking for satisfaction today, instead of looking for your best life right now, look to the future and say, what is my future going to be like and that I am working and I am having faith for my future and I'm excited about where I'm going. We were talking, when I was talking about Noah earlier, think about it. He was looking at the future. Over 100 years later, he's looking at the future going, this is my future. I'm going to be rescued. I'm going to be saved from this. We do that in, in our lives a lot of times. You have a vacation that's coming up. Maybe it's next year. Some people have to plan a long time out to get, to get a vacation. You know, you're going to the Bahamas or something like that. I've never been there. If y'all want to pay my way, I'll take it. But, you know, uh, you know we, we look at these things and we, say, we look ahead and we go, okay, we've got to plan these things out. We've got to get off of work. We've got to, you know, make sure we have enough money. We've got to make sure that other people that are going with us, that they're off of work and they have enough money. All these things so that we can go on, the, on these trips because we enjoy it. It's the same thing with heaven. We need to look forward and say, hey, what we're doing is we're laying up. We're laying up our time and our treasure in heaven because up there, we don't even have to worry about it. When we get there, it's all going to be ready for us. See, the, I'm not saying we can't have good things and nice things down here. You want to buy a nice car and you can afford it? Go buy a nice car. I think it's a great thing. Go buy you a nice car. You live in a nice house? Go live in a nice house. I have nothing wrong with it. But we need to remember that these things are temporal, that they do not last, that, that they will be burned up one day if they don't fall down. Hopefully you had a good builder for your house and they built it good and it'll last a long time. But those things are, will happen. So we need, to, we need to look to the future. Stop looking at the, at the now. Let's look at the to the future. Then Hebrews 17, verse 19, or 11, 17, 19, there says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now, begotten here, the word begotten just really means a special son. 
somebody who was special. Because remember, um, Abraham had more. He had Abraham, I think, had six sons total. And we remember the two, which was Isaac and Ishmael, right? Ishmael was about 13 years older. He was the one that shouldn't have been because uh, Sarah said, here, here's my, here's my servant. So he takes his son, the one that he was supposed to take, and the Lord said, I want you to take him up on this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. The thing that, that Abraham did is Abraham didn't question God. He didn't question him. He went to do it. And God said, through Isaac shall your seed be So he's like, your seed is coming through Isaac. These descendants are coming through Isaac. And, and he didn't go, well, God, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to go kill him. No, he did what God said. He had faith that God knew what he was doing. And he reasoned that if God was going to kill his son, that he would raise him back from the dead, from which he indeed received him in a figurative sense. But here's the deal. He had faith, and he did it. Let me tell you something. We need to learn to step out in faith. When we planted this church, I stepped out in faith that the Lord wanted us to plant this church. I didn't have a big church backing me up. I didn't have a, you know, a bunch of people coming behind me. I didn't have tons of money. I just knew that God had put it in my heart, and Christy agreed that we should do it. And here we are today with unlimited church. That's one step of faith that I can give as an example. Twenty uh, Verses 20 through 31 now, I'm not going to say by faith because I'll say it a bunch, so I'm just going to read this a little bit quicker. Than so, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So, Isaac was, was Abraham's son, blessed uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, of, uh, each of the sons of Joseph, and worshiped while leaning on the top of his staff. And the reason he was leaning on his staff, if you remember, he got in a fight with an angel. He says, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going until you, till you bless me. And then hit him in that hip socket, and, and so he limped uh, or, you know, walked funny after that, and so he was leaning on the top of his staff. Uh, Joseph, when he was dying, remember Joseph was the one who ruled over Egypt uh, right underneath uh, the, the, the Pharaoh? He, he ruled over and he kept Egypt and everybody safe from starving to death. When he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So Joseph's like, hey, when you get out of here, take my bones with you. Now, it was hundreds of years later before they got out of there. But he says, take my bones with you because I'm going to the promised land. One way or the other, you take me with you. Don't leave me here. I don't want to stay here. Then Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child. Now, the word beautiful here needs to, is probably not exactly accurate because the word means the word in the in the Greek here means that he was a special child, that God had something special for him. And they saw that in him and says that because they saw this in him, they were not afraid of the king's command. So his his parents were not afraid of the king's commands to the point that they had faith that God was going to do something special with their son that they put their they kept their son for 3 3 months remember that the they were killing all the jewish children that were under 2 years old they 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 like to do that they like to do you know let me can I, can I just jump off here I'll right over here just a second. I just want to tell you this. Do you know there's a thought process out there today? Of course we know about abortion, you know. We've got abortion up to to the day of birth, but there are people out there who actually say that you should be able to kill your child 
up to two years old. Now, I think it's interesting the Bible says the same thing here, that these crazy, whacked-out people would kill children that were two years old and younger. Just anyway, as a side note, you can take that, you can put it in a lockbox and pick it up later if you want to think about it. But two years old, they, they kept Moses in their house. Three, I don't know how they kept a three-month-old quiet where nobody else knew that there was a, three, there was a child in there. But they had faith that God had something special for this child, this Moses. And so uh, Moses, when he became of age, he, if you remember, he was put down, the, he was put in, in a basket, and then Pharaoh's daughter picked him up and took him in as her own. So when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, you know, he had been trained under his mother because his mother ended up becoming his nanny. And instead, what did he do? He says, no, no. That's not who I'm going to be. He had all the riches and everything else. When you're struggling and you go, but I've got, but look at all this over here. And God says, no, I need you to do this over here. Think of Moses. He gave all of that up because of his faith in God, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. That's the thing. We have to choose to enjoy who God is and be able to have joy in all affliction. The Bible says, Count it all joy when you go through various trials. He was able to do that. He esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured by looking to him who is invisible. He kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest the one who destroys the firstborn touch them. Now, that was when they, they, the, uh, he was told, that they needed to put blood over the doorpost because the death angel was going to come through and kill all the firstborn. And they did that, and he, he got all the, the Israelites to do that, and they were saved while all of the Egyptians, all their firstborn were destroyed. They passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. Now, this is something that you need to think about. Faith, faith, faith. They passed through the Red Sea, walls of water on each side of them. Close to 3 million Israelites passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Let me tell you, it rains around here just a little bit. You walk out in your yard, you sink in it, okay? We're talking about water that's just sitting on, and then it, in one instant it comes up in the sea. Uh, the, the, the seabed is dry all the way across. But they did this in faith because of Moses and his faith. The, the Egyptians, remember, they attempted to do it, and they got bogged down in the middle of it. And then they died. They all drowned. The walls of water came crashing down on top of them. The walls of Jericho, remember they walked around the walls of Jericho when they came into the promised land. They walked around six days. On the seventh day, they walked around seven times. They fell down after they encircled it. The prostitute Rahab who was in there, who had received the spies that came into Jericho with peace, she didn't perish. Everything fell down except for her one place, and she lived through it. 32 through 40. He says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of all of these leaders who through faith they subdued kingdoms, they administered justice, attained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. The mouth of lions, remember? Daniel and the lions, Dan? Stopped the mouth of the lions. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weaknesses they were made strong, became valiant in fighting, turned the armies of foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, did not accept deliverance. 
so that they might obtain a better resurrection, saying there are people that said, I'm willing to die because I know what the future holds. I'm not looking at today. I'm not looking at yesterday. I'm looking at the future, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get to my future. Others had trials of mocking, scourging, chains, imprisonment. They were stoned. They were cut in two, tempted, slain by the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, dens, and the caves of the earth. They all obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. The thing is, you may not receive what you're promised by God here on earth. There may be something that you're praying for or somebody that you're praying for or something that you're praying about or something that the Lord says, this is what's going to happen. And it may be later on. You may already be gone when that happens. You may, as Connie has said, you may have prayed for your whole family to be saved, and the Lord says, I'm going to save your whole family. Connie may not see that while she's here on earth, but she's going to stand on faith in the word of, that, that God told her that, that God was going to do that. We have to understand that when we put our faith in God, that everything isn't hunky-dory here. Everything isn't great here. Whether, you're, whether today you're doing good, tomorrow something may happen. But let me tell you something. We still continue to stand on faith. We continue to stand and we can, it is impossible, impossible to please God without faith. We must have faith. And when we do that, he is faithful and just. The Bible says when we ask him, to, him for salvation, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When he does that, then that faith and that salvation, like I said earlier, makes us a son of God or a daughter of God. We are heirs with Christ and joint heirs with him. And our kingdom, our, our place, the kingdom is waiting for us. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, in my father's house is many places. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You can stand on that. You can be faithful and trust that God is faithful in his promises and that what he said he'll do, what he said he'll do. Today, I just want to say, I don't know what you need, what God has maybe been speaking into your life, but I want to tell you that he is faithful to do it. He is faithful to, to do that in, in your life today, and I'm going to pray this morning uh, for you. And if you have a need in your, in your heart, I just want you to, to talk to the Lord about it this morning and have faith in him this morning that he's going to do that. I know that maybe maybe it's a relationship like Connie was talking about this morning. You're having that relationship that you need God to do something in. Maybe it's uh, you're, you know we have a lot of people that their children have 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 left the faith, have have not done what you have told them and taught them to do throughout your life. But let me tell you something: God is faithful. God is listening to you. He is listening to what you have to say. He cares about what you say. As a matter of fact, your tears are bottled up in heaven. That's what the scripture says. And at a time that he needs it, he, he says, come and pour out those tears on the altar and they become a sweet incense to him. He is a father. The scripture says that, and I, I quote this a lot, but I think it's good for you to remember. He says that if we who are evil will, do, will give good gifts to our children, how much more will he give us the good gift of the Holy Spirit? I could preach a whole other sermon on that, and I know you don't want to be here that long this morning, but I could preach a whole other sermon on what the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor can do in your life when you have him in your life. But this morning, I just want to say, just have faith. 
And if you don't have enough faith, grab somebody else in the church and say, can you have faith with me? Because I don't have enough faith right now, but can you walk with me on this? Can you pray about this with me? Because I need Jesus to do something amazing in, in this situation in my life, okay? Maybe it's a, a job situation. Maybe, it, it, I don't know. I could go on all morning about it, but I just know that if we'll have faith that God loves us that much. He is a great father. Can we pray? Can you just bow your heads? We're going to pray.